I get a little nervous because as a junior higher going to see Event Horizon, I, I was scarred for life. Event Horizon <laughs> was a crime against humanity. You're listening to the Story Geeks Podcast, produced by the Reclamation Society. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Uh, this is Daryl. I'll be your host tonight. And this is one that I've been looking forward to for quite a while. If you've listened to me on these podcasts, I think almost every single podcast we've done, I've made mention of my wife. And that's just something I have to do, apparently. <laughs> but on this one, I, I guess I'll mention her again right now. But after that, I'm going to stop doing it because you are going to hear from her directly because tonight my wife is my guest. So please meet my wife, Jamie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We finally got to it. That's true. I know. Yeah, we've talked about it for a long time. Yeah. We're, we're both fairly busy people, and we have two sons, and it took a while to settle on what we were going to talk about, but here we are. We're finally doing it. Yep. So. Um, we're not oblivious oh, to the fact that I, this has been a long time I coming. I see what you did there. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Before I... Before I bring on the payoff for that joke, <laughs> um, do you want to tell folks anything about yourself besides the fact that you're my wife? Because that's not all that you are. Right. Well, I <laughs> currently have a few different uh, roles, different jobs. I'm on staff at our church, Ambassador Church, as the Director of Christian Education. And I'm also adjunct teaching at Biola University in Biblical and Theological Studies while getting my doctorate in Educational Studies. After getting two master's degrees. That's three things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm kind of nerdy. And <laughs> I enjoy thinking about things, talking about things that have to do with, um, that have to do with the Bible and how we interpret it. Uh, that have to do with how we learn, how we grow as followers of Christ. And I know that not everyone who listens to this podcast would, you know, consider themselves a Christ follower. Um, but I think, you know, that, I mean, that's definitely the angle through which I'm going to look at movies and how I will evaluate things. It's primarily from a Christian worldview. Totally. So yeah, that's my background and where I'm coming from. And you are not the, the traditional geek, as we would say it here on the Story Geeks podcast. But as you said, you're you're kind of nerdy, <laughs> so so you you get it. But also, you and I, since we're married, this is good. We love to talk. We love to talk to each other. It's true. And I have had some of the best geek conversations with you. Partially because we're married and we like to talk. Partially because you love me and so you're willing to listen to me ramble on about it's true. the latest DC Comics crossover or characters you've never heard of. Mr. Miracle. See, she knows Mr. Miracle, people. That is impressive. <laughs> Granted, there's a Mr. Miracle comic sitting five feet away from us, but still, she's, she's learning. <laughs> so, you're not the traditional geek, but you fit in perfectly here. Um, also because you love movies like I do and you like sci-fi movies. Yes. Yes. 
and one of our favorite sci-fi movies, <laughs> one of our favorite movies, period, is what we're talking about tonight, and that's Oblivion, right? starring Tom Cruise. Um, and Morgan Freeman, but that dude's in everything, so we can just assume that it's true. half of what we talk about yes. will have Morgan Freeman in it. That's right. Um, you're going to hear me say um way more than I do in normal life. That's because you're thinking. There's yeah. a whole book about how um as a filler word is really just communicating that you are in the process of thinking about something. So I'm a genius? <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oblivion is one of our very favorite movies. If you've listened to the top 10 sci-fi movies of all time story geeks episode you know that i actually put it as my number one sci-fi movie of all time i think you had it at number two right behind it was definitely me. in my top two i think you had it at two behind arrival oh well yes yeah because arrival is it's wonderful yeah yeah i don't i don't disagree yeah but it's not <laughs> as wonderful as oblivion uh, well let's talk about that Let's talk about that. We Shout can't, out to that's, Rutten Link. That's plagiarism. We can't say that. Um, we can't say that? <laughs> no, we can say that. So Oblivion is an interesting movie because it's a good one for us to talk about because I want people to know about it and get exposed to it because whenever I recommend Oblivion to somebody, they've either never heard of it or they have it confused with Edge of Tomorrow. Right. I, I always think that Oblivion is the best movie that nobody has seen. Yeah. Like, every time I suggest it to someone or ask if they've seen it, they say no, and then I immediately tell them to go buy it. Right. Don't, even, even don't bother rent renting. It. Buy just it. buy it. It's yeah. that good. I've seen it in the store and wanted to buy it, and I have a copy sitting in front of me. I know. I just want to buy good things, even if we already own them. I wanted to buy it when we found it in the Walmart <laughs> yeah. Blu-ray bin, so I texted bin. my brother to see if he had it, That's right. because I felt so compelled to purchase it. it it's that <laughs> Someone must own the one that's sitting in the Walmart Blu-ray bargain bin. That's how I feel when I see the Dark Knight sitting in the bargain bin. That's a crime to me. Like, yeah. Why is the Dark Knight a bargain bin? I know. Movie? I saw Inception in there, too. Come and on. I was thinking, any Chris Nolan movie being in the bargain bin feels like a tragedy. You see why she's my wife, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, so, normally when we start these podcasts, we start with a spoiler-free review section, which we're going to do here. But let me just say, this is a really hard movie to talk about in any level of depth without spoiling it. So, we're going to do our best not to spoil anything in this section. But, just to be safe, if you have not seen this movie... Do yourself a favor and stop the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and finish this. So, you've been warned. This is the spoiler-free, but possibly spoilery review section. <laughs> so, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the quality of Oblivion? Oh, man. Well, quality is such a subjective term. It is. Um, I Yeah. I mean, what what different categories do you lump into quality? Whatever comes to mind. I mean, the other we're going to talk about the story depth separately, so you can set that aside. Okay. But um, obviously, visually, it's a beautiful film. Oh, it's stunning. The soundtrack is amazing. Right. The performances are great. So I don't know, from a technical perspective, from whatever, just your enjoyment. 
Yeah, so I think for me, I <clears throat> I can be kind of frustrating to watch movies with because, <laughs> no, I'm thinking of when we're sitting in the movie theater and I am the person who wants to lean over and be like, I know what's going to happen next. But you never do that to me. Is it because well, you know I hate it? I know you hate it, okay. but I always want to. I think I did it a few <laughs> times kind of early on in our relationship and you got kind of upset at me for doing that and you were like, just let me watch the movie. And because... As a good boyfriend does. <laughs> but like for me, part of the... Um, enjoyment in a movie comes from uh, not being able to automatically guess what's going to happen next. Exactly, which is why I don't like people telling me their guesses, because I don't want to know. I know! Yeah. But I I guess, um, well, I, let me put it like this. I, I like to try and guess, and I really like it when I don't know the answer. Mm. I really like it when I'm surprised or there's something that happens that was not obvious. and Which happens a good four to five times in oblivion. <laughs> right. So, um, like we said, visually it's just stunning. I mean, the cinematography is gorgeous. I think the different constructs in the movie um apart from the plot i mean the plot is really nice and we'll talk about that later but apart from that even just the way that they have built that world mm -hmm. is really creative yeah and it plays well into the story it doesn't distract from the story mm -hmm. uh so I would feel really comfortable giving it like a nine in terms of quality. And I only hesitate because you all like, you, you never want to assign a 10 to anything because nothing is perfect, but gosh, it's really close. Like there was, I can't remember anything like taking me out of it. It was so engrossing. Mm -hmm. And usually when there are things like anachronisms can be really distracting. Yeah. Like, that one scene in Wonder Woman <laughs> that I have a really <laughs> that hard one time scene with. in Wonder that Woman that one scene in Wonder Woman the uh, when they're in the, the relationshipy talk re relationshipy yeah. talk um, for me seemed totally inappropriate and took me out of the movie yeah and, which is why I didn't rate it as highly as others did but in this movie there didn't seem to be anything that really took you out of it it was I think near flawless in terms of world building in a way that's compelling anyway yeah i'll stop talking no so you're, <laughs> so you're going nine i'm gonna say nine yeah i'm perfectly fine assigning things Ten. a grade of perfection <laughs> because for me these these ratings are all just based on my opinions and what i enjoy right and for me i get perfect enjoyment out of this movie so i'm yeah. totally fine giving it a 10 yeah like you said, visually beautiful. It's very bright for a sci-fi movie. Lots of sci-fi movies are very dark. It is. But yeah. they shot this in Iceland. Much of it is on location. And during the day. And during the day. So it's very Most bright. Most of it is during the day. Very little is at night. Um, yeah. Tom Cruise wears white for the whole movie. Uh-huh. Um, 
<clears throat> soundtrack is amazing. M83 did the soundtrack. Yep. We bought it immediately. We listened to it all the time. It's really good. <laughs> it's especially good to listen to while you're playing Settlers of Catan. Oh, yes. have noticed. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it that's just makes true. it feel like full of gravitas when you're playing a board game and yeah. listening to that soundtrack. Yeah. It feels like you're doing the most epic thing in the world. It does. Yeah. And for me, so I, you know that I love Tom Cruise movies. I love, I love the Tom Cruise movies where Tom Cruise is in his element. So the action movies, the sci-fi movies. Yeah. I don't so much like it when he tries to grow as an artist. But when he does what he does best, Mission Impossible films, stuff like that. I love it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise. This is one of the few movies where I watch the movie and I see... Jack Harper. Jack Harper, Tech 4-9, and yeah. not Tom Cruise. Yeah. So... I agree. That's impressive. It's very hard for Tom Cruise to not be Tom Cruise. Yeah. I agree. He yeah. is Jack Harper. So I got to go 10 on this one. I just, I love the heck out of this movie. And I love the story and I love the twists and turns, which we will not talk about yet. Um, so based, uh, speaking of story, um, story depth, how would you rate that 1 to 10? This one is a little more tricky for me because, well, again, what do you mean by depth? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the story is not complex. It's actually a very simple story. It has twists yeah. and it has... The plot is complex, the, but the story is not complex, the story which is a weird thing to say, but it'll make sense. oddly <clears throat> simple, and that's actually kind of one of the best parts about it. I think yeah. it's, it's an argument for the fact that uh, you can have... A really compelling story if it's like simply a simple story that's done in a compelling way yeah it can be really powerful it doesn't have to be complex to be good right the best ones are simple yeah so just quick let me do a quick sideline before you finish there because okay. I realized we hadn't done this yet so in case you've never heard of Oblivion, um, let me give you a quick synopsis. I'm just reading off the back of the Blu-ray box here. So, Tom Cruise stars as Jack Harper, the lone security repairman stationed on a desolate, nearly ruined future Earth. When he rescues a beautiful stranger from a downed spacecraft, her arrival triggers a nonstop chain of events that forces him to question everything he knows and leaves humanity's fate in his hands. So... That's a description of the movie, but yep. it's in no way comprehensive, which it shouldn't be on the back of the Blu-ray box. Right. But So yeah, Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, um, Olga Olga Kurlienko, I believe is how you say her name, mm -hmm. um, and a few other people you'd recognize. And so had to quickly throw that out there to familiarize people, so continue. So when we started talking about how I would rate the story, I was thinking I would rate it lower but then as I've been talking, I realized, gosh, it's actually quite high. Um, I was going to criticize it for its simplicity, but now I realize that's actually one of its strengths. <laughs> so, that's why these podcasts are so fun to do, because you realize this stuff yeah, in the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe a nine also. And I found this especially compelling from a Christian worldview, which... I would love to talk more about when we yeah, get to that point. For sure. 
I would go, again, I'm just going to throw it way up there and swing for the fences and go for 10. <laughs> because, like you said, it's so simple. And I'm going to try to speak carefully here to avoid the spoilers, but it addresses something that lots of other movies have addressed, specifically sci-fi movies. Yes. But it does it in such a different and deeper and more heartfelt way, which I really love. And then the other thing I love about it is it's extremely simple. The setup is extremely simple when the movie starts. And even after you go through the whole movie and learn everything that you learn, it's still extremely simple. Like all of the revelations and everything don't, don't muddy it up and don't weigh it down. It's just as simple. It's just so good all the way through. So mm. It's really elegant. Yeah. I think the way it's crafted. Yeah. And for a sci-fi movie about the end of the world, it has a ton to say about what's going on in the world right now. Yes. So, so yeah, I'd go 10 again. I almost feel like we don't even have to talk about the last portion because it's likelihood to refer, and I feel like we already said that we are. We want everybody to watch this all movie all the time. So ten. I would agree. Ten. All right. So we're going to call that our spoiler-free review section. Now is the point where we are definitely going to start spoiling the heck out of this thing. We're going to talk about all the plot points. We're going to talk about the twists and the turns. So now's the time to stop and go watch it if you haven't done so. Go buy it from Walmart. Go buy it from Walmart. It's only seven eighty eight. Yeah, I believe on Blu-ray. Yep, it's worth it. It is. So let me start by doing a little bit of story spoilering. So, as the Blu-ray, um, did I say spoilering? You did. Story spoiling. Spoiling. <laughs> I was gonna edit you. <laughs> spoilering is a movie term. Okay, that's a technical term, I guess. Um, sure. So like the, the Blu-ray says, as it starts off, um, it's, it's a you know, post-apocalyptic future. The world has been all but destroyed. I think it says 2077. 2077? On one of the... On IMDb? Yeah, in okay. the year 2077. Okay. Which is, it's not unheard of that we could live to that point. Yeah. We'd be old, but... Totally. And you it's know. not unheard of that the world could be destroyed by that point, the way things are going oh, lately. <laughs> Can we bracket that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that, got, that got dark. That got really dark. Yeah. Um, so, as the Blu-ray says, it's as things begin, it's a story about Tom Cruise as Jack Harper, who is also known as Tech 49, and he and his companion slash partner i don't know that they're married but her name is vicka and victoria victoria he calls her vicka and they are essentially the only two people left on the planet and they're what what tom cruise refers to as the mop-up crew so this war has taken place um aliens invaded earth um and the way he says it is we won the war but earth was destroyed in the process and so they have transported all of the humans off of Earth into this giant space station that they call the Tet that they build. And that's where humanity is now thriving. 
but there are resources left on Earth, such as water and stuff like that, that are still useful to them. And so they have a few people on Earth who are there to make sure that these drones and these machines that are harvesting water and stuff like that are functioning correctly. And there are these creatures that they call scavs who wreak havoc and break the drones and steal equipment and stuff like that. And so... Well, in the narrative, the scavs are the alien race that invaded. Yes. Originally. Yeah. So it's like the the remnant of the alien invaders who are holed up right. in Earth. You, you know, like in yeah. little crevices that still remain. Totally. Trying to... Like, subvert the operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, Tom Cruise is basically a drone repairman. He flies his ship around Earth and repairs the drones as they get as they get broken and messed up. And they communicate with an officer named Sally on the Tet, who checks in with them and sees how their progress goes, and they have to report everything to her. And so, that's how things are initially. At the setup. Yes. And Tom Cruise has these dreams. He has dreams about um, football games from the past. And dreams about seeing a woman on top of the Empire, the State, Empire State, State Building. Isn't that scene how the movie opens? Yeah, I think it, it is. It opens with a black and white like dream, yeah. which is kind of a memory or the we'll get to that yeah well the <laughs> was it a it's a it, is it framed as a dream or we're a expected to see it as a dream yeah at first yeah but clearly these dreams mean something more to him right because it's a recurring dream yeah that he has of right. this one this one person yeah this one woman this one woman mm -hmm. who's at on the observation deck who it's clear that he is in love with, or at least in yeah, a relationship with. in a relationship with. with. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how things are at the beginning. And then um, a ship crashes on the planet, on Earth, and Tom Cruise goes to investigate it. And when, when he investigates it, he finds one survivor in a hibernation pod. And the woman in this hibernation pod is the woman that he's been dreaming about. Yeah. So he rescues her, takes her home. Several of the scabs try and take him and her out at the same time. I think you're jumping ahead a little bit. Oh, I, I mean, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think... What did I miss? No, before, before the thing crashes, he has the encounter with the scabs. Yeah, they try and they the try and capture him and take him out. They try to capture him and he has the book. Yeah. So he's been collecting relics as he's been on these missions. So we learn yes. about this part of him. And he even has a house he has in a, a like a cabin secret. in a secluded location that he hasn't told Vika about. Yeah, he's that he basically goes and visits. been building this secluded lake house. So we so we learn something. We learn that there are pockets of Earth that are habitable. 
Yes. Because the narrative, the, the narrative, as far as we know, is that Earth is destroyed. Yeah. But Jack knows, okay, there are little pockets that are There's a suitable. lake with fish there's in it, and there's plants. There's a lake with fish and yeah. grass and... Um, and a record player with Zeppelin records. I, so, <laughs> but, like, as he's been on these missions and as he's encountered different um, wreckage sites, basically... Yeah. He has been pulling things that have survived, like yeah. relics of humanity... And so... And he's developed this affinity for life before him. Right. Essentially. And you get the sense that, like, that not... I mean, while there is this narrative that not is all as it seems, but then you get just enough a taste of, like, the fact that, like, there are... Like, Earth might be recovering. Yeah. That it almost distracts you from this whole other yeah big and he actually thing that's happening yeah. he brings a plant home to vicka and from gives her the lake and property. gives her the plant well yeah. he doesn't tell her about the lake property but he gives her the plant and as soon as she sees it she drops it out the window like they live we didn't mention this but they live in this house in the sky so yeah they're basically above all of the death and desolation and wreckage and everything radiation yeah radiation and so when he brings this plant she immediately destroys it because she thinks it's dangerous it's contaminated exactly it's going to contaminate them it's going to endanger their mission right yeah so okay vicka is all about playing by the rules vicka is all about playing by the rules yeah so um and we should say that vicka and tom cruise or vicka and jack harper are essentially in love, too. Like, they have a relationship. We see things that make that very clear. <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> it could just be point. because they're the only two people on the planet, but they got yeah, something going on. Yeah, that's a little unclear. I mean, they're definitely work partners and then life partners as yeah. well, but you get the sense that, yeah, if you're the only two people left on the planet and one's yeah. a man and one's a woman, inevitably something is going to develop. What are you going to do? Right. Okay, so... Can I go back to the crash site now? Or yes. Okay, okay so, so now, well, now that all of that has yeah. been set up, that that Jack's got this little secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had this encounter with the scavs yeah. in the library. Right. And he took a book. The scavs are clearly, they, they've got their eye on him. They're out for him, yeah. specifically. But we... I mean, we we don't know why. We, right. we assume it's because he's human and they're not. And they're just, yeah, yeah. totally. So um, the ship crash lands. He finds this woman. Um, he recognizes her from his dreams. And so he fights off the scabs and he rescues her and takes her back to the house where Vicka is. Against Vicka's wishes because she warns him <clears throat> yeah. that the signal from the planet that brought down right this the ship ship yeah was scav yeah so she says like don't go there the scavs brought this down yeah and but he does it anyway he does it anyway so he brings <clears throat> this woman home they open up the hibernation pod she wakes up briefly looks at him says jack and then faints. And then passes out, yeah. And so we, we learn that 
she knows him. And so as they talk, we come to find out that through various things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fast because we're yeah. already at almost a half an hour. Oh, shoot. Okay. So um, basically we come to find out she is his wife. And these dreams he's having are not dreams. They're memories of his actual life. So he's not who he thinks he is. And she's completely freaked out because she has been in Delta sleep for... 60 years. 60 years. At least 60 years, they say. She's been in Delta sleep for 60 years. <clears throat> so why is Jack still alive? And yes. Yeah. And she is like, how is it that not only are you are alive, but you have not aged. Yeah. It's been 60 years. Like, yeah. this is impossible. Right. And so she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. He's trying to figure out what the heck is going yeah. on. Vika is like, who the heck is this woman? Right, right, right. Who's... And they're trying to hide everything from Sally, from the Tet. And Sally is trying to, well, we'll get there. Yeah. (laughs) So so this is really long. So as they go. Are we um, supposed to give like a full synopsis? No, we've never, we've never done this, but there's so much to it that we kind of have to do this to some degree. Okay. So, um, (laughs) so as the movie goes on, um, we learned something. We there's a point where uh, the the drones go crazy. Uh, oh man, I'm skipping ahead. Um, they uh, fuck. <laughs> Gosh, there's so much. Get it together, man. There's so much. <laughs> there's a point where Tom Cruise is taking um, Julia is his wife's name. By the way, her name is Julia Olga Kurlyenko's character, and. Um, He's taking her and basically trying to escape. Um, I can't remember if this is after the drones killed Vika because it was trying to kill him and it just started killing anybody. Because they, it was clear at this point that he was going against the wishes of the Tet and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, he goes trying to... Um, okay, well, I'm going to say something else first. So before we get to that... Somehow we learn that the Tet is not a space station full of humans that have been rescued from Earth. The Tet is the aliens who attacked Earth. Sally is not a real person. Sally is a representation of something from Earth that these aliens saw. Well, it was the mission control officer who was interacting with Jack and Vika. Yeah. As they were piloting a human spaceship to go investigate the Tet 60 years earlier. Okay. Don't go, don't go too much farther there yet. Okay. The scavs are not aliens. The Tet is the alien. The scavs are the last few remaining human survivors. Dressed up in these armors and outfits and stuff like that to hide themselves. And their leader... To throw off the drones. To throw off the drones, right. Yeah. And their leader is a man named Breach, who was played by Morgan Freeman. So that's where he comes into this. And so um, there's a point at which Jack is trying to take Julia and escape and get away from everything. And as Jack and Vicka are doing their jobs, there's these zones to the Earth. And they're not supposed to go outside of their zone because that's where the radiation is. And if they go outside their zone, they'll become poisoned by radiation and they will die. 
But at this point, Jack is trying to escape with Julia. He doesn't believe anything that he thought was true before, and he flies right through one of those zones. And, of course, nothing happens to him. But through something, the ship crashes. And as the ship crashes, um, he kind of makes sure that Julia is okay, and then he hears some noises in the distance, and so he goes to investigate it, and as he comes up over a dune, he sees another ship, exactly like his, um, and somebody repairing a drone. And so as he gets closer to see who this person is, we see that that person is him. That person is also Tom Cruise. And his ship is labeled... 5-2. So whereas our Jack Harper is Tech 4-9, this is Tech 5-2. And so he be- they get into a fight. He knocks the guy out. He has no idea what the heck's going on at this point. In the process, Julia accidentally gets shot. And so he has to go and get help for her. So he ends up taking her to Morgan Freeman and everybody else, who at this point, he had been captured by, and so he learns that they're human and learns that they're not trying to disrupt things. They are trying to save themselves and trying to take out the enemy right. so the human race can survive. Right. So he comes to realize that he needs to help these people and he's in a unique position to do so. And he takes Julia there to kind of help her get healed. And so that's where we kind of find out what he really is. And this is what I was talking about before that lots of other movies have touched on. But he is a clone. Yep. There have been literally thousands of him and Vika both of them are are clones clones. and the mission that you mentioned earlier was a mission that the humans originally went on to investigate the Tet when it first came into orbit right and of course it was attacked and they were taken but they jettisoned the Delta sleep pods before they were taken one of which was Julia Yes. And so she'd been floating around in space for 60 years while the Tet started stealing water from Earth, right. trying to wipe out the rest of the humans, having Jack and Vika, different versions of Jack and Vika all over the world, like keeping their drones working and stuff like that. Well, it sounds too like um, Jack, well, clones of Jack were the soldiers that were initially sent down Oh yeah. to eradicate the human race yeah it's so crazy <laughs> and so when morgan freeman's character what's his name breach breach when he is um is it breach or beach sorry keep talking <laughs> no, no, no. when he is basically oh it's beach sorry oh beach when he is cluing jack harper this jack harper tech 49 into reality yeah He says, we sent off our best. And, you know, our our hero, Jack Harper, was bravely going off to investigate the Tet. Yeah, yeah. And what we got back was shiploads full of you fighting against us. And So where the real Jack Harper is... We don't even ever find out. He's probably dead. <laughs> but, he's either dead or he's in one of those, like... Well, by the end of the movie, he's most assuredly dead. Well, yes, we'll that's get to true. That. But, <laughs> that's true. But at the time. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and yeah, then... we should stop synopsizing this. Well, we'll so I'll say one more thing. Okay. There's a reason that they tried to capture Tech-49 instead of just killing him. Right. And they had tried to do this with some of the others because basically they were trying to find some shred of humanity within one of these jacks yeah. in order to turn him and get him to help them. And they had developed a bomb, and if they could get him to help them communicate with the Tet and take a ship up there, they could take this bomb up and blow the Tet up. Yeah. So that's what they were trying to do. And the reason they saw something different in this Jack was, like you mentioned, was the book. He grabbed he... the book. He would grab things from his... Because they've been watching it for a while. Yeah. And they noticed, yeah, he was drawn to humanity. Yeah. Drawn to human things, drawn to culture, drawn to art, drawn to music. Yeah. Like all these different relics that he would come across. Yeah. So there came a point where the Tet knew who he was. And, um, I mean, they knew that he had figured out who they were and knew that he knows what's going on. So they suddenly just send drones out to take him out. Yeah. Um, and so the humans have to fight off the drones and eventually they come to an agreement. Jack comes to an agreement with Sally, who is the alien in the Tet, um, that he will bring Julia up to the Tet and give her up. Because that's what they that's what they want. That's right. why they're trying to do all this because she's the last human survivor, right. and they want her. Yeah. Um, and so he agrees to to do that. So they put her in a back in a sleep pod, and load the sleep pod up onto his ship, and he flies up into the Tet and lands the ship. And then when he opens the pod, it's not Julia. It's Morgan Freeman, and the bomb is loaded onto his ship. And Sally's like, Jack, that's not the survivor we talked about. And he's like, no, it's not, Sally. And and then he blows up the Tet. So, and you think, hey, movie over, that's great. But Julia is still on Earth, and the man that she knows to be her husband is dead. Yep. And she is, he had left her in the, the secluded cabin. Um, and we also come to find out they flash ahead three years or something like that. And she had become pregnant while they were together and she now has a daughter. So she and her daughter are outside the house. Her daughter's playing and stuff like that. And she, there's a monologue going on about who Jack was and everything. And then the daughter hears some rustling across the lake and she looks across the lake and some of the survivors who we thought were the scabs in the past are standing across the lake, no longer in their disguises and armor and right. stuff like that, just wearing regular clothes. And um, they start to separate. And as they separate, Tom Cruise emerges from amongst the crowd. Tech but 5 2. It's Tech 5 2. It's yeah. the one that our tech, our Jack Harper, beat up and left unconscious yeah. outside the ship. Yeah. So the little girl asks, Mommy, who's that? And she says, that's your father. And so we're led to believe that the two of them go on to have a relationship together. Because, and we'll talk about all of this as because we get into it. Because the voiceover, the bookends <clears throat> of the movie, 
which you think are from the perspective of Tech 4.9. It's from Tech 5.2. Are actually from the perspective of Tech 5.2. And they have it's all the same memories. Brilliant. yeah. So he has the same memories of Julia. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll, so we'll get into all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a, a nice 40-minute synopsis of the movie for you. You might need to edit some of that down. No, 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 it's fine. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market. Better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. So, there's a lot of themes in here, obviously. There's themes about humanity, about cloning, themes about what is a soul, what is love. Yeah. Um, But cloning seems like a good place to start. So... (laughs) Because why not, right? It's so, the most obvious theme of the movie. So, yes. at the base, when Julia comes out of the sleep pod, she falls in love with one clone. But then by the end of the movie, ends up with a different clone. So, That's tell, me, tell me what you think about that. Is it the same guy? That's creepy. What makes him Jack Harper? Is it his memories? Is it his body? Do you think there's a soul in there? Okay, well, let me start with this. J.P. Moreland <laughs> says, uh, this, I just read um, some of his book, Loving God With All Your Mind, recently. He's a philosopher. He teaches at Biola. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts it like this. I am a soul. I have a body. Yeah. Okay, so who we are, the essence of who we are, really our personhood uh, lives in our soul, not our body. So what the movie is suggesting is that when a body is cloned, the soul is as well. Which... I mean, basically, because if, if the memory is... Like, if these memories of Jack Harper are present in each of the clones... And if the capacity... And the suggestion is that they, that yes. they are. And if the capacity to love another human being is tied to the soul. Yeah. I mean, well, the soul is <clears throat> um, kind of all that we are. I'm not a philosopher, by the way. So those of <laughs> yeah. you who are, you can, like, comment on... How I'm getting this right or wrong? Yeah, but we'll we'll have Sam Wilbon listen to it and oh, throw yeah, out his Sam. comments. Yeah, um, my I just think it's really intriguing. Like I, I like that we talk about how this movie is really simple. The story is very simple, but at the same time, 
it goes, it tackles really deep subjects. Yeah. Like in, yeah, in cloning, are you, is it just a body or is it also a soul? Can you clone a soul? Well, to get real geeky with it, <laughs> you know, most other, most other movies and shows and stuff that touch on cloning, it's us doing the cloning. It's humans doing the cloning. So right. it's this idea of taking a piece of tissue or some scrap of DNA or something yeah. and creating a whole nother being from that. Right. Um, but we, we don't understand what makes up a soul and where that comes from. So we can't replicate that. Right. But these are some crazy, mysterious aliens who we never even get a look at. Like, we don't know what they look like. They're very mysterious. Well, because so how do we know that they can't clone a soul? Because it seems like they are disembodied. Yeah. Like, they, there's no... Because all you ever see is technology. You never see, right, like, lizardy-looking creatures or anything Yeah, you like don't that. see anything. And I think that's part of why I like this movie. We were, <laughs> we were talking earlier about how... Daryl, you had seen it first, and you said... Oh, you'll really like this movie. And yeah. I was hesitant because while I, I enjoy science fiction, um, anytime there are aliens involved, I get a little nervous because as a junior higher going to see Event Horizon, I, I was scarred for life. Event Horizon <laughs> was a crime against humanity. Has that movie's anyone so else... messed up. I know. But, yeah. Oh, um, I, think, I think we've talked about that before on the podcast. We have talked about it. Well, you and I have talked about it. We, but I think, we have. Oh, yes. Yeah, but I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. So basically, anytime there is anything to do with space or aliens that's outside of the Star Wars or Star Trek universes, <laughs> I get really nervous because... To be fair, though, Event yeah. Horizon wasn't about aliens. No, I know. It was about hell. No, I know. That ship went to hell. I know, <laughs> I know. Spoiler, spoiler. Which, in that world, hell is a place that you can get to through a wormhole, but... yeah. So. Which is a whole nother level of frightening. Yeah, which but, we won't go into. Yeah. But anyway, seeing something like that as a junior higher will just scar a person and make you really hesitant. And and I think... Um, I was in high school when I saw it and I slept with all the lights on that night. Even, I mean, things that have those eerie noises, those haunting noises. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember there was one... Sunshine. Sunshine yeah. has that, like, haunting, like, space pinging noise. Mm-hmm. Um contact even has that like that alien like techie like yeah. pulse to it that but I can still hear when I just think about it. Rogue you know? One had something like that in its trailer. Oh, and it And that's one of the best trailers we've ever seen for any movie ever. Yeah. Like, that was so good. But I think that that one had kind of a like I don't know, a more hopeful tone to it. Well, you could tell to... it was like an alarm. It yeah. Like... the al- Yes, it sounded more like a, a siren or an alarm. But... Sorry, I'm taking this way off track. At, no, no, no. <laughs> so anyway, I if you hadn't gone to see it first and hadn't said, okay, I think you would like this. Yeah, there are aliens in it, but it's not scary. Right. Then I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. And... I don't even know how I got started on this rabbit trail, but, um, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, so we were talking about how you haven't seen the aliens The aliens stuff. were disembodied. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we know that they have consciousness, they have intellect, but 
but we never see a body. And so right. that's part of what I personally liked about it because it wasn't scary. It didn't default to scary. Yeah. It stayed in the like suspenseful, but really just kind of camping on some of those bigger questions. And actually, as I think about it now, I can't believe this has never occurred to me before. Yeah. But they probably don't have bodies. They've probably evolved beyond bodily form or they never even had bodily form. Yeah. Because why else would they need to clone a whole bunch of Jack Harpers to go down and, and invade the world for them? Fair enough. You know? Never thought of that before. I mean, the drones, like, well, they they have drones. They but the drones are just, just technology. Yeah, but I mean, the drones could have functioned as those soldiers, I guess. That's true. Um, why do you need humans to be the drone techs? If you could build drones, can't you also then service them? But if you can clone a human to the degree that it seems they clone Jack Harper, yeah, then you can create these incredibly effective soldiers because they understand humanity yeah incarnation yeah that's what it's about it's about <laughs> incarnation we had to bring it back to the christian worldview now, yeah <laughs> wait can i talk about so, so the thing that's been like burning on my brain ever since we started talking about doing this podcast uh-huh. was the fact that it is a conversion story yeah okay so all <laughs> Like, all throughout the movie, there are these little, like, twists. And, you know, we get the sense early on that this Jack, Jack, you know, Tech 4-9, is not 100% sold on the narrative that's being told yeah. by the Tet, by Sally. Because the narrative is, it's all contaminated, it's all gone to heck. And we all just need to get on the Tet and go to Titan. I think one of Saturn's moons, yeah. Titan, is supposed uh-huh. to be the new allegedly home. the new home of the humans. <clears throat> and they're all just waiting on the Tet until they can, you know, slurp yeah. up all the water on Earth. Right. And then they can head over to Titan. Yeah. So that's the narrative that's being told. But you get the sense that Jack isn't 100% sold on that because he he finds these little pockets that have survived. He builds this little lake house and almost his own little like world in this. Yeah. He's got, he's got some sort of hope beyond everything else that, that Vicka doesn't have. Right. And Vicka is, is 100% sold on the narrative. She's like, which is interesting because they have the same origin story. They were both humans. Yes. So, and we never get this from the movie, but I always, why does Jack, why doesn't it settle with Jack when it does settle with Vicka? I mean, we haven't talked a whole lot about her, but she clearly has her own Motives. human-based issues. Yeah. Like when Jack seems to go against her in any way, she turns into crazy, crazy jealousy monster and yeah, and tries to like kill him and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there are issues. I mean. Yeah. Sorry, there are I derailed you. Issues there. No, 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 I feel like this conversion is story. But, but it's essentially showing how Tech Four Nine Jack Harper converts from a believer in the Tet narrative, right, to a believer in the Scav slash human narrative, and. Uh, 
the scavs who are really humans. Well, he as he learns that they are humans. Yeah. And then as the layers get peeled back and he learns, well, you're not just you. Like, you're a clone. Then these layers keep, keep getting um, peeled and he has to progressively, like, deal with that. Yeah. And figure out... He has, like, almost a crisis of faith where he has to decide... Who he's gonna believe? Yeah. Is he gonna believe? Is he gonna buy into the Tet narrative, or is he gonna buy into the human narrative? Is he gonna buy into what he's seen and what is presented to him right. physically? Yes. Or is he gonna buy into this world that he's pretty much only gotten through dreams and trinkets and things like that? Well, he had only had dreams, and then he has the encounters right. with like actual humans, and they're saying. You're a clone, and everything you've been told was a lie. Yeah. And, you know, like, you can believe what you want, but this is reality. And you, like, when confronted with reality, like, you have to decide, are you going to accept it, or are you going to continue to live in this false narrative that exists, that's been constructed? And, I mean, when you get to the core of it, and just thinking of analogies to our world... I mean, the Christian faith essentially makes these claims. Like, yeah. The Christian faith says, like, that the world... I'm like, do I want to put a capital W or a little W <laughs> on the world? But, you know, like, that there is this false narrative that we are... Um, that we are drawn... Or that, that we are tempted to buy into. Yeah. That God does not exist. God, even if he does, does not interact with mm-hmm. humanity. Um, you know, that we are, we were not created by God. Right. You know, that like that there's this other worldview. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Christian narrative is that there is a God who created us, who not only intervenes with humanity, but actually took on the form of humanity, mm-hmm. Christ, and... Um, out of love, yeah. like feels love for what he has made. Mm-hmm. And um, so whenever we're talking about someone converting to the Christian faith, they're basically having to, like Jack Harper, kind of deal with these two narratives yeah. that they're being told. Or, I mean, there are many different narratives, not yeah, just two. Totally. But they basically have to sift out these um, stories about our origin and our purpose and everything and figure out what is reality. Yeah. And then hopefully once you have landed on what reality is, you live in light of that. Yeah. You don't deny it. Right. And so you, you get to this crisis point where you have to decide, okay, what's really real? And Jack Harper obviously gets to that point. Yeah. And I guess there's also, you have to figure out to what degree are you going to accept it? Cause right. at a certain point in the movie, if Jack has his way, He's not going to go help Beach and the other people. He would just take Julia to the cabin and be happy. Yeah. But he can't do that because the Tet's hunting him down and trying to kill him. Yeah. So he has to accept that and take that step too. Ultimately sacrificing himself. Right. But also 
weirdly kind of not because there's another version of him on earth right <laughs> who can live out i the, know if one the happily clone ever after. gives himself up for all the other clones <laughs> that are on earth we don't know how many there are i mean we assume 52 at least yeah we only see two because that's all we see well wolf. i guess we we get a glimpse of a whole bunch of them inside the tet when he's up there but we only see two i mean we know earth. that there are like Hundreds, if not thousands, of them being yeah. bred on the Tet. Yeah. But we know that, well, there are at least 52 if they're numbered yeah. accurately. You know, like. Yeah. But maybe more. I mean, we don't know how many quadrants, not quadrants, that's four, but you know, like how many yeah. zones there are on Earth. It's funny though, as I think about it, maybe the reason that Jack has this hope and stuff like that is because that's who he was as a person, as a human. Because now that I think about it, I talked about how Vika is really jealous and really suspicious and paranoid and doesn't want her world to be torn apart in any way. Yeah. When you see them on the ship yeah, the before flashback. the tech takes them. Yeah. When they're listening back to the, the recorder, yeah. the so flight recorder. Julia, who we know is Jack's wife, is already in Delta Sleep. And Jack and Vika are the only ones who are conscious on the ship. And there's a moment where she sort of like brushes his shoulder. And it's clear that she has feelings for him. Yeah. He doesn't give it any credence in any way, but... But you can tell that there's something there. Yeah. Like, so, I mean... So there's a dysfunction that we see Vika had as a human already. Yeah. That then we see plays into who she is as a clone, too, so... Right, you, you would see that she felt bonded to someone else's husband. Right. In a way that... In a way that seems inappropriate, even just in that, like, five-second little... And in a way that she knows can't or shouldn't last. Right. And so it makes sense that when you get to the point where she's living out this life... She's content. Well, she's content, but she's scared to death of it falling apart. Right. And she's very jealous because even clone Vika has some sense that this is very tenuous and fragile right. and isn't the way things are supposed to be. Right. So That was really deep. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so in the, in the whole cloning thing, we've talked a lot about it from different angles, but what do you think? Do you think Tech 5-2 is just as much Jack Harper as Tech 4-9 was? In the, frame, in the context of the movie, yes. Okay. I think... I agree. Because... Because the concluding remarks, the concluding voiceover, is clearly um, done, well, I don't know, is it clear? It, it's a little ambiguous, but I think deliberately, so, but it, it makes you get the sense that Tech 4-9 is just as much Jack Harper as Tech 5-2. Yeah. Because he says, I know him because I am him. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that's like one of the last words in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, clearly they want you to wrestle with it. They don't answer it clearly. Yeah. But, but you're like, yeah, is it 5-2? Is it 4-9 who was like giving the voiceover bookends of the movie? Because if it's 4-9 who was the voice at the beginning, yeah, you're like, well, he was having these dreams. I think you have them switched. Two. Four nine is the one. Oh shoot! Yes, yeah, so sorry. Have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting confusing. Okay. Yes. No. Five two <laughs> yeah. is the substitute, not the sacrifice. Yes. But five two. Yeah. Sorry. You can edit that. 
If, oh, that's good. The substitute, not the sacrifice. No, I mean the one where I mixed it up. <laughs> Between that and um, the Tet narrative, which yeah. you said earlier, yeah. I feel like we have two good titles for uh -huh. our commentary book on Oblivion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> the if the voiceover at the beginning was... 5-2. Five 5-2 two. Five two speaking, as we're kind of led to believe the ending one was. Right. Then that is just crazy. I mean, it just kind of makes your head want to, like, explode a little bit. Yeah. Because that <clears throat> shows that there's some equivalence between 4-9 and 5-2. And so everything that happens to 4-9, the dreams and everything we can assume is in some way also happening to 5-2... So when he encounters her, he's also probably as freaked out as 4 9 was. Yeah. Because he has he, all the same memories and everything. When he accidentally shoots her. Yes. <laughs> like, That's true. Yeah. We didn't say that, that but he's the one really that shot awkward. her. Yeah. yeah. Because he was probably freaked out. Like, how could she... Like, what did he know when he saw her? If he had had these dreams. Well, and he wasn't trying to shoot her. He was trying to shoot Tech 4 9 Yeah. And missed. Yeah. So. But like, what would you do if you saw a clone of yourself? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, if I saw a clone of me, I'd probably want to shoot me too. <laughs> like, it's it's gotta be so <clears throat> disturbing. It's excuse me. Do you need some water? I'm okay. Yeah, it is disturbing. So okay, but I realized we're thinking about it. So there's different ways to think about it. There's yeah. Thinking about it as the viewer. Yes. Like, how do you reconcile it as the viewer? Can you accept that Tech 5-2 is essentially the same person as Tech 4-9? Or do our minds get lost in the cloning thing? There's the perspective of Julia. Yeah. Which would seem like the most important perspective. It's like... Yeah. If she's willing... If she's willing to love him to as she loved him. Tech 4-9. Yeah. Or as she loved the original Jack Harper. Right. Then... What difference does it make? But it, it occurs to me the most important perspective yeah. is actually her little girl. Mm. Because her little girl is the future yes. in this movie. Yeah. Like her coming into the world signifies that there is the a threat is over yes. and, and there's hope ahead. Yes. So look at it from the little girl's perspective. She looks across the lake. She sees a man. Mom says, that's your daddy. That's all she needs. Yeah. Her family's complete. She has a father. Yep. She doesn't care. So, I don't know. Maybe that's the way that they... I keep saying they. I should say he. Because Joseph Kaczynski is the mind behind this movie. We'll talk a bit about that. But yeah. maybe that's how he wants us to view it. It's through the little girl's eyes. Because mm. that's when you really get the happily ever after. You know what I mean? The weirdly happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> But in a world so screwed up where there's so few humans, take what you can get, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, you were saying before that, you were saying before that it's a very light movie. I mean, in terms of using light. Visually. Visually. Yeah. But it's an oddly hopeful movie. Yeah. For one that deals with some kind of dark yeah things i mean it's you know 
it's basically forcing you to wrestle with, you know, truth versus falsehood. Yeah. On a global level. Yeah. And what is it that we're being told? And is that really what's happening? And as we look at the news and allegations of fake news and all of that, I mean, it seems like a highly relevant, I mean, this was done, what, three years ago? Four, 2013. Four years ago, so 2013. But it seems even more relevant today than it did then, (laughs) in some ways. Most post-apocalyptic movies do. And, yeah, they just get increasingly relevant (laughs) as the world progresses. Oh, boy. We'll talk about dark. Okay. But, yeah, it seems, like, weirdly hopeful, and, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the nature of movies that have, like, sacrifice Mm -hmm. at the core of the resolution. That, like, the sacrifice was worth something. Yeah. It was sacrificing for... Yes. ...something, for a, a future... For yeah. a hope for humanity. And so it ends on a really hopeful note. I think showing that the sacrifice was worth it. Yeah. They didn't just die in a cave after that. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a real future. And from a storytelling perspective, like, what a privilege as the storyteller to get to write a story where you don't have to make a choice about what happens to your lead character. Yeah. Do I kill him off? Does he survive? Oh, look, I can do both. Oh. Like, <laughs> and it doesn't suck. You know, yeah. it's not stupid. <laughs> No, it's not stupid. It's actually very deep and yeah. complex. It's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I love that it ends on a hopeful note. All my favorite movies do. Yes, um, you do like the hope. <laughs> even The Dark Knight, which arguably ends in a very dark place, but for a very hopeful purpose. Right. Which The Dark Knight Rises sort of undercuts it when it comes back, but... You know, we know that's my favorite movie of yes. all time. Yes. So, um, I love that. And I think that's something sci-fi movies like to leave you in a hopeless place. Not to be jerks about it and not to make you feel hopeless, but it's one of those genres where they can get away with the bad guy winning or some crazy left turn at the end of the film that renders everything pointless. I mean, there's those kinds of movies, you know, and they're often very frustrating and unsatisfying, or you somehow appreciate that type of storytelling and it's really good, but this one doesn't do that to you. This one is very hopeful. Yeah. Which I really like. So I want to talk a little bit about Joseph Kaczynski. I want people to know about Joseph Kaczynski because... You have He's, a huge man crush on him. I do. So my favorite director is Christopher Nolan, followed probably by J.J. Abrams. But after that, I think would be Joseph Kaczynski, even though he's only released two films. So Oblivion was his second film. His first was Tron Legacy, which is not as good a movie, but it's also a beautiful movie with another great soundtrack. And a very cool movie. Um, But it's not his story. Oblivion is his story. He was developing it as a graphic novel. And um, he was showing it to various people in the film industry because he was hoping to make a movie at some point. 
somehow Tom Cruise got wind of it and loved it so much that he wanted to jump on it right away. And the graphic novel never even got finished. It just got turned into a movie instead. And now Kaczynski's third movie is finally coming out. Um, it's called Only the Brave. It's about fire, the real-life story of firefighters in Arizona with Josh Brolin and Taylor Kitsch and um, I can't remember his name, the guy from Whiplash, Miles Teller. Oh, Whiplash is a great movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm not here to talk I about know, I know, I know. But, no, we're talking about Jessica Kaczynski. Yeah. So anyway, we don't normally do this, but I just want people to know who Joseph Kaczynski is because I think he's fantastic and the world is just now finding out about it. So, I agree. Yeah. And it sounds like his fourth film is going to be the sequel to Top Gun, which will be really cool too. So I can't wait. I know. Anyhow, sorry, sidebar there. Just had to be sure we talked about him. Is that dangerous? That is dangerous. Okay. Sorry. Surprised you didn't know. I just had to clarify. I think I had it. Is there anything else we want to hit on about Oblivion? We've talked about cloning. We've talked about what is a soul. Conversion. Conversion. Hope. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. There are a lot of really great things about this movie. Yes. Yeah, and I know Tom Cruise gets a lot of flack because people think he's crazy and stuff like that, but man, give this movie a chance, people. It's so good. It is. It's so good. if you really want to have an awesome night, (laughs) double feature... Oblivion and Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. You will not regret it. Because Edge of Tomorrow is the shallower, slightly more fun. Yes, more lighthearted. Sci fi movie. It's the dessert to Oblivion's <laughs> dinner. To the filet mignon that is Oblivion. That's right. Yeah. No, Edge of Tomorrow is great. I love that movie. I That's think that... another alien y movie. It is. And it, it you they are embodied aliens, and yet it didn't frighten me. Yeah. Which is rare, like I said. <laughs> and it's also a high-concept sci-fi movie. You know, it's basically sci-fi Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's a time loop. And it's based on a graphic novel, which All actually did killed. get finished. Yeah. All you need is killed. yeah. So the most tragic thing about Edge of Tomorrow is that they could not figure out what to call it. Yeah, that the marketing was so ambiguous. It was yeah. like, is it called Live, Die, Repeat? Is it well, called yeah. All You Need Is Kill? It was originally going to be called All You Need Is Kill, and then they thought people wouldn't accept that title, so they changed it to... <laughs> yeah. And then they changed it to Edge of Tomorrow, and that's how it came out, but... The tagline was Live, Die, Repeat, right? Yeah. But it had this weird thing where people... They didn't give it a chance, but in later life... Everybody recognizes that it's a really good movie. So when it finally comes out on Blu-ray, they it says live, die, repeat in huge letters. And then on the bottom, in tiny little letters, it says Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> and it's like, what is it called? Yep. But it's so good. But not as good as Oblivion. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, Morgan Freeman's character, Beach, is also a crazy fascinating character that you just don't get a whole lot of time with. He's sort of the flip side of of Jack Harper in that he's the same way in a lot of ways. He's in this bleak existence. Right. But he has this But he knows weird, it. <laughs> yeah, but he has this same 
weird, irrational hope. Because it seems like all of the other survivors that are around him, they follow him because they give him something to believe in, or he gives them something to believe in. Right. But they don't share his hope for the way things could be. Yeah, they're very skeptical. It seems. Yeah. So maybe that's why he and Tom Cruise ultimately are able to find common ground because they're sort of the same kind of person. Yeah. Go see it, people. Yeah. Go see it. We'll stop talking about it now, and you can just go see it. Go see it implies that it's in the theater. Go buy it. Go buy it. And then put it in your DVD player. And watch it. And watch it. (laughs) Yes. And then give it to a friend so that they can watch it. Yeah. We'll start a quiet oblivion revolution. Yes. Called the Oblivolution. (laughs) The Oblivolution. I like it. Yes, watch it. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about Joseph Kaczynski because I think he's really special and I think when Only the Brave comes out, I think we're going to find that even more. So, finally got to do a podcast with my wife. It's really fun. Thanks again. Okay, (laughs) we will. That is it for today's podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review or share this episode with one of your geek friends. All right, fellow geeks. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth. We'll catch you on the next podcast. <laughs>